It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org goldcard. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the second edition of Quad Star Mornings, the new edition of our podcast, Tommy and Levi, FKA, the Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast. But we changed over to movies, music, and media, and all kinds of stuff like that to reach a more mainstream audience because wrestling is dead. Not really. It's just not everybody likes it. So, <laughs> you know, got to have something everybody can relate to. <clears throat> And plus, we wanted to talk about some other stuff. So now that I've justified again why we did this, I'm Levi, and this is Tommy. And I'm Tommy. And we're here to talk about movies and music today. Yeah, it's fun to to do something that I think everybody enjoys. I mean, obviously, everybody likes some form of music. Somebody, Everybody likes some form of movies. Uh, not everybody likes wrestling. And we've kind of figured that out the hard way by once you've peaked. Not to be confused as, with blading, though. Right, 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 right. Everybody yeah. likes blading. Yeah. Um, once you've peaked talking about wrestling, you kind of see the drop off. And I think everybody just knew we were bored. Yeah, I think we knew we were bored, too. Oh, we definitely knew. <laughs> like, there was a couple of weeks where it was like, oh, man, we're kind of on fire, but... I think that was already at the point where everybody had kind of checked out and was like, eh, we're going to listen to other stuff. There's just, I don't know. It's just a really, it's a weird market, I guess. I'm, I've still been thinking about it like over the week, you know, like what happened? But it's just, it's wrestling, man. Like not everybody is 10 years old anymore. So <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's, there's just so much between not just wrestling podcasts, but wrestling in general. There's so much to watch. Oh God, yeah. and it, it it became taxing, and we kind of we kind of talked about it last week. But I thought about it too more over 
since the the debut episode of this show last week. And I was like, man, just not just fucking WWE, NXT, AEW, New Japan, Ring of Honor, 1,700 fucking different independent shows that are on, you know, whatever streaming platform they're on. Yeah, like who the shows that the podcasts, the wrestling podcasts out there that watch like all they try to watch all the wrestling. I'm like, dude, you guys are crazy because that I would just get so bored. Like, well, I get I'm, so tired of seeing the same shit. Okay, we know them. Like, just skip five minutes in because we know the fucking match is going to start with a headlock and a takedown. You know, like, mm-hmm. I know that. Like, at that point, you want to move on and be like, okay, skip in five minutes to where they start throwing some shit, you know? And then, well, yeah. Anyways, it, go ahead. It, it, I'm ranting. But, but, I mean, fuck, we went from when we first started, we were watching Raw, SmackDown, uh, a lot of Japan, uh, we were watching what, a lot when we started. Yeah. And then it was like fucking a year and a half in, because we made it just a hair over two years. year and a half in, we're not even watching fucking Monday Night Raw anymore. And that's the, I mean, that's what wrestling was for our entire fucking childhoods. Yeah, and, that's how it becomes. And then it's just like, eh, I'm just, I'm sick of it. Let's not talk about wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've already we've already shooted away most of the the new audience who's like, oh, yeah. try these guys out. They're like, they talk about wrestling. I thought we were talking about Big Trouble in Old China, yeah. Iron Maiden, somewhere in time. <laughs> Two uh, amazing I, 1986 productions. I do want to just say one more thing about wrestling. I did not watch AEW last Wednesday, and I feel kind of good about it. I haven't watched it in like three weeks, and it's and I I but feel it's, okay. <laughs> it's the first one that I've missed live since it started. So. I haven't been I haven't been able to catch up on it, man. I just but. I feel better about it and I I feel good. I just I'd I'd rather sit relief. down and listen to fucking music and watch movies with my family and yeah, just yeah, hang out. Nice. So, and it's a, instead of Sunday night you're like, Oh fuck, I gotta watch a three hour pay per view. Yeah. And then and, and st- then you wind up starting at two o'clock. It. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just Sometimes it just it just becomes a little taxing, but you know I'm glad that we're we've moved on to other ventures and you know and it's not to like any of our former fans who are listening any any new fans who are listening like it doesn't it, it won't be a movie and a and a CD like every week but right it's now just we're getting, just kind of rolling with it yeah, yeah. just to kind of get it started um. I, d- I wanted to talk to you about something because I watched this YouTube clip before we started. What's that? Uh, it was CBS This Morning was the show. And it it was like their little tech segment of the show. Yeah. And they were talking about the, the Samsung and the Motorola uh, bendable phones. The flips. Yeah, like the, the, the flexible glass and all that. The funniest fucking thing. So this guy brings out this phone. It's the new uh, Galaxy one. X whatever it is. The flip. the flip, F, yeah, flip X, X or whatever it is, X flips or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, so he's got the phone out and he's showing you know the the anchors of the host of the show, and he's showing them and then he he bends it, and the screen bends obviously, and I mean it's it's cool looking, but the fucking anchors are like Galaxy Z flip. It's the Z. Is flip. it Z? Okay. It's Z. Okay. Yeah. Um. But the anchors are like, oh, yeah, and it takes pictures. And he's like, yeah, it takes pictures. And then the, uh, one of the, the guy anchor, he's like, oh, and it has a clock on it so you can see the time. 
What <laughs> like what are they getting at? Like and every yeah, phone that, has that. That's it. But I'm just like, what fucking smartphone does it? Like you <laughs> if that's if that's your tech segment and you've got your host talking about the fact that a phone takes fucking pictures and shows the time. Like, what yeah, year is this? I mean, that's that's pretty wild. Because I know that new uh, the new like razor thing is out too. Let me yeah. try to see if I can find this. I wanted to find the price tag on that because the new galaxies. I don't know if you saw those. I think it was like twelve hundred. That's the one that they were showing was the galaxy one. Yeah. Okay. So they of course they released well now four galaxies with the flip this year, but. They have the S20, the S20 Plus, and the S20 Ultra. And the S20 is $1,000. The S20 Plus is $1,200. And the Ultra is $1,399. So $1,000, $1,200, and $1,400. And then you said this is somewhere in the middle there. but Yeah, it's like it was like $1,285 or something like that was the retail price. It's just, that's wild, man. Dude, I just don't who, really have any desire you... for a flip phone like that. Like a flip folding screen. Like, you know if that thing breaks, you know how fucked that is? Oh, yeah. And you know it's going to fucking, the hinges are going to fucking come off at some There's point. There's going to be problems. Because they're opening and closing. And that's they brought they it out before. About. This is the remake. Yeah. They just like, continued oh, well, it before. There's, a, there's a, a niche audience that likes to be able to flip, fold the phone because it's closed and then they don't fuck with it. But no, they're going to fuck with it even more, and they're going to end up fucking up their phone because they're opening and closing it every five seconds. That glass, can't, isn't, it can't be that durable. People can't stay off their phones. Everybody no, knows that. We're all no. guilty of being having our fucking nose in it. Yeah, nonstop. we're all addicted these days. Yeah. Some are, some are more addicted than others. There's levels. One of my coworkers said that the other day. We were talking about one of our other guys. Like He's just hooked on his phone. His screen time on his iPhone was like seven hours. Like Jesus every day, Christ. yeah, dude. And we we're we we're saying like he, he was like, well, there's levels of addiction. I was like, yeah, that's true because me, like, I'm I'm addicted to YouTube, like bad. Like I'm, yeah. I get sucked into YouTube bad. Yeah. I mean, because you can find anything. I'm like, huh, I wonder what blah blah blah. And you look it up, there it is. And the weirdest thing about YouTube is is it, it's I mean, even like me with Spotify and stuff, like I I'm so hooked on it, like. Spotify's when I'm at great. home, yeah. When I'm at home, though, like, and I wish Spotify would sponsor this show. <laughs> but, cool. uh, um, all right, like, Kitty, at... go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it to like meow or something. But when I'm at home and listening to music and stuff, like when I'm cleaning or cooking or whatever, just drinking beer and and, and listening to music, it's like I feel like I'm on my phone the entire time. But it's like usually just a change of song or something. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm not feeling this right now. Let me, I'll listen to a podcast or something. But with YouTube, it's like, oh my god! Oh, dude, and then, you just keep clicking, and it suggests everything, and it knows you at this point because it's you know every everything tech wise is intuitive now. Like yeah, it knows crazy. what you fucking want. Yeah, dude. And the, you could uh... be wa- you could be watching a, a a video of like Joe Rogan or something or whoever. And it's gonna know, suggest what, five more. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, fuck, well, now I'm, this is my day now. Yeah. I'm going to spend five hours right here. Yeah, like this morning, I mean, just uh, browsing on my phone. I've been watching my screen time because I'm freaking out about it. Because, like, I've had some days that were three hours, and I'm like, that's not good. Like, I just, I can't, if I have an hour and a half day, I'm, like, proud of myself. Because that's, you know, I feel like that's just normal texting, calling, and, like, 
whatever else, but I've had a few days that are pushing like four hours. And I'm, and, but usually they're days that are like slow at work. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch some YouTube videos on my phone because it looks better than my Dell work computer. Because we all know I use a Mac. <laughs> but uh, and then here we go. Here's a tech thing, too. I just want to throw this out there. We were talking about the Galaxy. You know, I think Apple has, uh, you know, we're Apple fanboys. Um, they have a good opportunity this year to crush those galaxy prices because if they come out with the cheap iphone like the se2 or whatever you know like they have been the last couple of years the base model galaxy this year is a thousand bucks but if iphone comes out with that 700 hundred dollar phone they're gonna kill it on that because everybody's like i don't want to buy that thousand dollar phone anymore and the 700 hundred dollar iphone is the only difference is it's a led screen instead of a oled and it doesn't it'll it'll like have like one less camera feature. So like if the iPhones are really expensive this year, I might just get the the cheaper one. So I don't know because yeah. I've waited two years. I have the ten S. I didn't get the eleven because I was waiting for this year because it's supposed to be a design refresh from all the leaks and stuff I've been reading. I just wanna know how many people actually buy their phone outright. I'm I'm really curious about that too, dude, because it's it's like I I don't know because I just I pay through Verizon. I'm sure you do the same thing because it's yeah. It's like I don't have to spend a thousand dollars out. Well, here's here's the thing too is when I bought, I finally upgraded because I was doing you know doing the podcast and stuff and doing multiple podcasts at that point. <laughs> and the six and, wasn't working. <laughs> well, not only that, but my my speaker was fucked. Like I yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Remember right. that? Yeah. So I finally got a new phone, and instead of you know because it's like. You can't just get like a budget phone anymore. Like used no. to Verizon would have the free phones with your upgrade and you'd have to pay 50 bucks, whatever they ship it to you. It's there. It used to just be cheaper either to get a the, phone in general. Yeah. It'd either be there the, the next day or two days after whatever, depending on when you order it, what time of the fucking day. Like you have to have all orders in before four o'clock or it doesn't ship till the next day. Anyways. So when I finally got my phone, it's like Verizon, you know, I'm looking on the, on the website. <laughs> And it's like, you can get the 8S Plus for $27.99 a month, or you can get the 10S Plus or whatever it was, 10X or whatever, uh, 10X, 10S Plus, right? 10S Plus? No, there's no, uh, oh yeah, the 10S, that's what I have. I have okay, the 10S. Okay, that's and the there's big a plus. screen, right? 10S Plus is the big screen, yes. yes. Plus, okay. okay but I'll I just, just time. to correct you on the one earlier, there's no 8S, so... Or eight plus. Okay. Yeah. So I have the eight <laughs> yeah. plus. I don't fucking know, dude. Like there's dude, the names are confusing. I know. Fifteen I know. fucking letters and you're if I didn't, giggling at me like a little fucking school girl. If I didn't if I didn't check tech radar for the iPhone <laughs> updates every day, I wouldn't know either. So and, yeah, I know. anyway, anyways, so it's like twenty seven ninety nine for the eight plus. So that's what I got because the the ten plus was it's like forty, like, yeah, yeah. It was like it, I think at the time it was like thirty three ninety nine or whatever. But I'm such a fucking cheap ass that I won't spend the extra six bucks to get the current phone because you're gonna save that over two years, right? <laughs> six dollars a it month adds up, you know, for twenty four months. You know, that's that's the way I look at it. But you know, some people are like, why wouldn't you just do that? See, here's me. I'm wheeling and dealing in my mind right now. Already thinking about October because I'm like. All right, I'm going to have the new iPhone pre-ordered because I've waited two years. Like, I purposely, I wanted to get the iPhone 11. I really didn't need to, and that's why I didn't, and I held myself off. 
So I have, I'm ready to upgrade to the 12 this year, whatever it is, 11S, 12C, I don't know. Anyways, so I'll be like the guy that's like, all right, in October, I'm going to pre-order the new iPhone. But I don't know that I will get the Plus, like the big one. I'll probably get either the middle one or if the cheap one is, if the cheaper one is spec'd out pretty good, I'll probably get that. But like, there's a lot of leaks and stuff on the phones throughout the year and uh the new iphone should have it should be just a full just screen design like no no button on the front no notch at the top like it's it's looking like it'll be just all screen but that makes me wonder how high that price point is going to go up but i I mean it it's going to be like we're in an era now of thousand dollar phones plus like that's just how it is and it's it sucks that they cost that much but if you want a premium phone, you have to pay pay a premium. But, like, you're also getting basically a professional camera on it. Yeah. Like, you that, don't that, have to buy That's the major Nikon. thing about the, the 11, I think, that sucked people in is that, that camera, fucking, man. That camera and that dog on that commercial. That's why I didn't want it. The dog? Because <laughs> I know, like, whoever's dog that was, they got, like, free <clears throat> iPhones for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah, probably. Well, I don't know. Apple probably still makes them pay. Eh, You guys can get a 10% discount. Like, I can see them being like that. They give them the phone, but make them pay for shipping. Yeah, something petty. Like, (laughs) I know we're a a trillion-dollar company, but you still don't get to have it for free. That's why we're a trillion-dollar company. I honestly, though, wouldn't be surprised if iPhone this year is like iPhone 2020 or quadruple X to show 2020. You know, everything, everything is coming out. It's going to be twenty twenty. Everything. Well, and I, and I think I can I can see that too because the Galaxy did the twenty. So mm-hmm. like Apple will be like, but see, Apple doesn't like. I don't think they care because just like there's never even been an iPhone nine. It never happened. They went eight right. to ten, the ten S to eleven. Like so, it's. I think they just do whatever they see fit. Like if it's, if it's the 12, then that means it's like a full upgrade. If it's a 11 S then it's not really that much an upgrade, but we're not in an S year or no, no, we are in an S year right now, but I think we'll get a full upgrade. I hope so. Anyways, that's uh, I can go on for days about. Well, I know. And, and, and that's why I brought it up was that video is I, I immediately thought of you. And I said, this is a perfect opening. I know. Just I just love something they... different. I love how they're like, oh, and you can tell time on it? And now yeah. you can't tell time on it. You no, can't do now that. you can't. We're taking away clocks on phones. Now. Yeah, you fuck. Now you can't. Like, no camera either. You have, to, you have to go to Walmart or Best Buy or wherever and get a, a new digital camera. You can't you take pictures on your phone anymore. Yeah, you can't do that. But just on theirs because they ask a stupid question like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they're trying to like make it look good, but they don't know how. So they're just like, yeah, you can tell time and do pictures with that. Because they have no idea. Because they have no idea that, like, first of all, it's the second, the second, but really the first one that's going to stay on the market of a folding, full well, screen. Did, I'll give them credit; phone. they did bring that up, but oh, okay. you know, it's it's off, it's all script. Yeah, they tried. That's why if we fuck up on something, it's not scripted, so we just look stupid. Like earlier when I didn't know that the eight plus wasn't an S. That's yeah, but I think the real stupid part was my bad intro. So, well, they won't hear that, but now they know. I, about I know. It. Well, yeah, I know, but it'll be in a bloopers <laughs> episode someday. Yeah, someday. I'm still. Yeah, I'm fucking animals. Totally still doing blooper episodes. Oh yeah, we got to have that. 
animals just run downstairs and go crazy I'm down there. They just they want to see their papa. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just waiting to hear the shower kick on. Oh, I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to happen. Let's see what time is it right now. Ooh, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little early for her still. Yeah, uh, we did start some early today. A little early, but I like it. So anyways, um, did you have a, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say before we get no, into we can, the, we can get started. Let me pull up the specs, the stats on this movie here and album. Big Trouble in Little China, and Somewhere in Time. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases, and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together, we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. All right, so obviously today we are talking about the movie Big Trouble in Little China, which is a cult classic because it was definitely a flop at the box office. And I, I was really surprised looking into like the behind the the scenes kind of stuff on Big Trouble. Yeah, like they went I, over, they went, their budget was over their box office. I could not believe that it wasn't a a hit in the theaters. I mean, you got John Carpenter's name on it, <clears throat> Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, who was a, a star at this point already, yeah. Um, was he, this? I mean, was this pre? Oh, was this pre Escape from New York and L.A.? Uh, 90s, Escape from right? Escape from New York was out. L.A. didn't come out till ninety. I want to say six ish. It was oh, like a, really? It was a yeah. It was a big gap. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought they were like. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna look it up though because it's gonna drive me crazy. So we're doing Big Trouble in Little China and Iron Maidens. Six fifth out fifth studio album, somewhere in time. Wait, yes, Iron Maiden, Killers, Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave. No, it's the sixth. That's right. I'm correct. I knew. I always remembered '86 was six because Iron Maiden was pumping out albums like crazy in the '80s. Yeah, Escape from New York <sighs> was '81. Really? And yeah, LA was '96. Holy Damn, I was shit! Dead 15, fuck on. Fifteen years. Yeah, that gap. And That's you a can't big even gap. Fucking tell, really. N- no, Kurt Russell is. Anyway, what are we? What are we doing first? Are we doing Big Trouble first? Uh, no, we'll do. I like the. I like the album first. All right. Yeah, we'll save Big Trouble for the main event. Um, <laughs> a little throwback to Hills and Quads. <laughs> so Iron Maiden's sixth album, Somewhere in Time, 
came out September 29th, 1986. It was recorded in 86. There's no data of that, but I'm assuming it was recorded right after the World Slavery Tour. I have the uh, documentaries of that. There's there's three uh, – Iron Maiden has – you can watch them on YouTube, actually. It's the the early years, part one, two, and three. In part one, they do the first album, Iron Maiden, Killers, and Thumber the Beast, Bruce Comes. And then in the second album – or in the second – history they do peace of mind power slave and live after death or they i think it starts part three starts during like live after death i haven't watched them in a while which live after death was their big world slavery tour and they did that one in i believe it was recorded in like la or something it was it's a like it's a notable performance the live after death let me look it up real quick I know I'm a big Maiden fan. I should remember this kind of shit, but no, I know, and that's I would I I should have just texted you because last night I was like, man, I just really want to get more background on this album, and like they have like the VH1 classic albums of Number of the Beast and stuff. Yeah, Live After Death was in '85. It was at Long it was at Long Beach Arena, California, okay. at the Hammersmith Odi the Hammersmith Odeon, London was audio only. Okay, so yeah, it's Long Beach on the DVD, which I own. <laughs> But I was Anyways. looking for like a documentary, like solely on this album, because I was texting you when I was listening to it yesterday, and I was trying to, I was trying to find more background on this one album, History of Maiden Part Three. That's what you want, History of Maiden Part Three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's, the, the, like I said, the series is on. Uh, I own all of them, but I know that they put them on YouTube not too long ago, like a couple years ago. But you want. Like I said, there's one, two, and three on there, and I believe part three starts off like right at somewhere in time, and then they do their tour after that, and then I think I don't remember if they go over Seventh Son of a Seventh Son or not. I don't remember if they talk about recording that, one, but I know this one is because I waited for this one, like when I was younger and they were coming out with the movies and they came out with part one and two. I was like, I can't wait for them to come out with part three because Somewhere in Time is like my favorite album from them, so. I remember when it came out, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is good. And, and, I, and I, like I, I only watched it a couple times, I think. It's on, uh, it's on the Maiden England 88 DVD. And I have most of their live performances on DVD. I even have this one called Raising Hell. And it was their last performance of Bruce Dickinson in the 90s. Like, literally Before Bruce... uh, Blaze came in? Yeah. It was, during, it was after Fear of the Dark. And I don't remember where they were, but literally the show ends, and they said when Bruce walked off stage, they didn't see him until 1999. God damn. Yeah, like he, he left, and they, they had split up, and he came back in 99. So that, that one's called Raising Hell. They should have that one on YouTube, too. It's a good performance. It's just yeah, kind of weird. Because I, I listened to this, and then I listened to some live stuff. And I listened to uh, Book of Souls live chapter. That came yeah. out in seventeen, I think. Yeah, because it had uh, uh, wasted years. years at the end. Yeah. That was the last song, which was super weird because I was looking at set list too, mm-hmm. and like they hadn't played it, I think, since then. Yeah, they. I remember when I saw them live. That was the last. That was the last or like second to last song before the encore. I think. Okay. Like I know they so did, ended the main set. They ended the main set. Yeah, and then. Like, I remember, I remember Blood Brothers from Brave New World was at the end of the set. And, like, I love that song, but 
I was like, this is kind of weird to be like a closing song, but I, I believe it was like Run to the Hills or something was like the last song. I mean, Probably. you know, one, like like usual, one of the big, any band, one of the big songs is like the encore. But yeah, I know Wasted Years was like right there at the end of the show when I saw him. Do you ever, when you go to concerts and stuff and you see people leaving before, you know, there's encores? Yeah. Like, does it bother like, you? Well, it's like, have you never been to a show before? Because they're not done. <laughs> Like Do you not know what setlist.fm is? Yeah, that, and it's like, you haven't even heard Number of the Beast right. or Run to the Hills yet. Like, you know they're not going to play that. You know they're not going to not play that. That's like going to a Kiss show and they haven't played rock and roll night and you're leaving. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's... that's. And they Kiss had changed it up a little bit, though, because when we saw them over in Rogers, and they they closed with Detroit Rock City, actually. But Rock and Roll Night ended the main set. Or no, 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 no. Yeah. Detroit yeah. Rock City was the yeah, encore? They, yeah, they closed with Detroit City. That's cool. Which, I mean, that's not, it's not super rare for them to do that, but. And change up their set. Yeah, but I don't know. If I saw Kiss and every time they ended with Rock and Roll Night, I'd probably get bored with it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't want to hear that song until I hear it live. Right. Like, I've heard it so many times. Because I listened to it a bunch when I was a kid. Like, I, heard, I was always like, yeah, I want to rock and roll night party every day. And not I was like just, seven. <laughs> not just, like, three days a week. but No, no, like, like, every day. Every yeah. day. Uh, so, anyways. We'll do Kiss pretty soon. Very I, soon, actually. I'm ready to hear I... you get, get on that one. Oh, God. Me be all fucking nerdy. But I thought this, was, <laughs> this one was kind of cool to do this week since we did Blade Runner last week. Yeah, because there's a of lot the of references. Yeah, yeah, this I don't know if you've seen like the cover, but there's a ton, a ton of references to like. Yeah. Well, I was I was reading about it, and then I was like, okay, let me. I want to find all the pictures of the album because I don't own it like physically, yeah. but I'm I'm gonna buy this on vinyl. That's how much I like this album. Like it's I really good, man. I have really heard good. it. And I was probably in junior high the last time I listened to this record. It's. Like I said, it's my favorite Maiden album, and it's real close. Like, I, the way it flows in, like, the next album, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, it, like, picks up right where Summer in Time left off. Like, I don't know why I get that vibe, but it just does. It's, like, because they're still using, like, the synths and shit like that, like the guitar and bass synths, and people kind of shit on that. Like, around the time, I remember watching the documentaries, and they're like, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, it's not all metal, it's not all metal, it's just synthesizers in there. But then, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't know, it gave it the perfect sci-fi vibe. Like, this has yeah. the, it has a perfect, like, sci-fi vibe to it. But, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't realize how many Blade Runner references there were. Like, I knew there was some. And then, like, because I've when I was when I was like ten or whatever, and I got this album, I remember looking at the cover and like just seeing all the things, like the Acacia, the Twenty Two Acacia Avenue, which is a song from Number of the Beast, and like just a number of references on here. And I remember I had I, obviously I hadn't seen Blade Runner back then. The Twenty Three Fifty Eight, Two Minutes to Midnight. Yeah, it's what else? There's, was all, it? All, uh, there's a bunch of them. Do, the Tardis from the Doctor t- Who. The Tonight. Uh, what's the name of the band? Uh, I read that. I'm going to see if I can find it again. I'm looking at all of them right now. I mean, there's a ton, dude. Oh yeah, here it is. Yeah. Uh, where is it? 
Philip K. Dick Cinema, the author of Do Androids Dream of Sheep, which is the book Blade Runner's based off of. There's a Tyrell Corp sign. There's Decker's Department Stores. Tonight, Gypsy's Kiss, which was Steve Harris's first band. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah, what I was. I, that. I read that. I was like scrolling through these because yeah, there is. I mean, it's on Wikipedia, but you can read through it, and there's so many different fucking like references to other shit. It's being cool. the big it's fan cool I am, yeah, it's awesome. Like, and that Derek Riggs was, dude. His art is so good with the Iron Maiden stuff. Like, I remember. I always would try to draw it, and I was like, man, that guy is such a good artist. I'm not really an artist, though, but I would always try to, like, copy. Like, I have some old drawings of Number of the Beasts and Killers and stuff like that, but he's such an amazing artist, and, like, I love this cover. Because, and I remember, it used, like, when I got, like I said, I got this album when I was probably, like, 10 or 12 or whatever, and I was already super into Terminator and stuff, and this, like, seeing the cover, I was like, oh, this is so Terminator. You know, so I guess if I was, if I had seen Blade Runner, I'd be like, this is so Blade Runner. Kind of, but they're not, they're not all cybernetic like this and shit. But yeah, it's a fantastic album, man. Um, there's a ton of, there's too many to read about the cover. Like even being the fan that I am, there's too many callbacks on there to read. And the slip that the album comes in now, because they come in those little slips, it the, wraps all uh, the way around. Digipacks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Digipacks. Yeah. So all most most of I think I have one or two maiden albums that don't that aren't like Digipacks or whatever. So I have the I have the uh 80s collection where if you put them together it makes the Eddie from the first album. Oh, that's cool. I'm like I'm like I think I'm missing Seventh Son of Seventh Son because I have it in a different case. So it messes yeah. up the whole flow. And then I ha- I don't have... Well, I know what you're doing today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting on there and looking for that. Uh, and I don't have X Factor Virtual 11 in that set. But I don't remember if the Virtual... I think it. I think the Virtual 11 is in that set. The last Blaze album. We'll have to talk about the Blaze albums on here sometime. Because I, I like Blaze, but... The crazy thing about Iron Maiden is it's like one of those bands that if you're a huge fan of it, you can't just listen to it. You have to own like everything. Yeah, I have. Because have... Eddie's yeah. badass. The fuck, the, just the Iron Maiden logo is iconic. I have a live after death Eddie sitting right here on my desk, like the little figure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like he's, the, sitting, he's sitting right McFarlane there. McFarland toys type thing. They had him at Hastings back in the day. Okay, yeah, so it's probably McFarlane Toys. Yeah, he's like, it's the Eddie, well, you know, where he's popping out of the grave, live after yeah. death. Yeah. And I used to have, uh, I think I had another one. I don't remember what it was exactly, but most of their live performances, I have a ton of posters. I have, like, all their albums. I think I'm missing, th- I mean, I don't have all their albums. I'm missing, like, three or four of them, definitely. I think, I think four. Uh, but anyways, let's talk about the album. Yeah, enough about me being a fanboy. We're gonna con- we'll talk about that every time we do. Well, yeah, and we, I mean, <laughs> you have to. I feel like it was kind of good because you got to give a background about your knowledge of the band. So, yeah this this album in particular, like I can still always remember the night I got it because we went to Walmart and, like I said, I'm like a ten year old boy, something like that, and I'm like, hey, mom, let me get this CD. And it's like 10 bucks at Walmart or whatever. And she's like, no. And I'm like, oh, come on. She's like, all right, whatever. So I got the, I got the album somewhere in time. And I, at this point, 
I got somewhere in time. I already had Number of the Beast and Peace of Mind. And I don't remember. I don't think I had the first two yet. And I got this, and I remember putting it in my CD player and listening to it. And I was like, fuck, I love this album. Like, the minute it kicked on, caught somewhere in time, I was like, oh, my God, I love this album. And I listened to it so many times. So, like, when I listen to it, it always brings me back to that night. I got home from Walmart, helped unpack the groceries, and went in my room and jammed the CD. And I remember I don't think I got to finish it because it was like, hey, you need to go to bed soon because you got school tomorrow. Because I'm still, like, a little kid. Well, but, and this isn't, yeah, man. this isn't a Misfits album. It's not 25 minutes. It's an hour. Yeah, it's 51. It's actually definitely one of their longest. Like, Power Slave had the 13-minute song at the end. And then this one kind of follows up on that with Alexander the Great. Except it's not 13. It's 8 minutes. But, yeah, just from the start start to finish, man. It, it I guess it, it kind of turned out to be a concept album about somewhere in time you know uh, yeah space and time shit. is what it what it said on uh wikipedia it was it, yeah it wasn't supposed to be that way and uh yeah just i just i love this album dude i mean i guess you can see why now so somewhere in time opens it then we get wasted years which is track two which is a single off the album sea of madness very good deep cut off the album heaven can't wait I don't know if I consider that a deep cut because I feel like they've played it live and it's definitely single-ish. Which one? Uh, lo- Heaven Can't Wait. Okay. Heaven Can't Wait. Heaven Can't Wait for another day. Uh, and then The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. That's a... That's an extended song on the album. It's a little longer than it than it needed to be, but... Um, it's a good track, nonetheless. Stranger in a Strange Land. It's just, that's the shit. Uh, Deja Vu and Alexander the Great. Okay, so on the album is one of the deep cuts. It's Deja Vu. I really, really like that song. And it happened over time. When I was younger, I used to be like, I love Stranger in a Strange Land. I love The Long Distance Runner. And then I got older and I, was, I heard that song and I was like, you know, I think this is my favorite song on the album. Deja vu, like that is, I don't know, man. That that song is just perfect to me. Feels like I've been here before. Feels like I've been here before. I'm yeah. getting into it. <laughs> but that's, uh, I gotta say, Deja vu is. It's probably my favorite song in the album, and it's. I know it's a little hipsterish to pick a deep cut, but man, I just I really like that song. See, and it's funny because I was gonna say my favorite song from the album was "Wasted Years." Like you can tell it's a single. When you listen to it, but it's, but it's fucking so good. good. Like I was like, it's a I'm, really good song. I'm kind of like depressed about it. Like I didn't know that song. Like, it, like you don't hear it on the fucking radio. That's not one of those songs. No. Like if you hear Maiden on the radio, it's usually Run to the Hills or Number of the Beast. The Hills, Number of the Beast. That's usually yeah, that's exactly. usually about it. You're not gonna hear much. Trooper, yeah, yeah you'll Trooper. Hear occasionally. Um, but. I was listening to it yesterday, and I was like, fuck. And then I had to go find the live version of it because I wanted to hear it live. And then it... Oh, man, it's so good. But so good. I think my least favorite song on the album was Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Like I said, it's, it's, I think it's the loneliness of the long-ass track. Like, if it was cut in half, like 345, If it was like minutes, four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. It just kind of runs on a little too long, and... It's, it's, but you know, it's like a wrestling card. 
There's eight matches on this album. That's fifth. It's kind of bringing you down before the shit happens. You know, like, it's just a track that's there. And I'm sure there was a bunch of other tracks that they're like, what do we want to put in this place? And like, no, let's just do that one. But that and... I mean, it's not... I, I, I hate to say that it's too long because it's actually shorter than Heaven Can't Wait and Caught Somewhere in Time and Alexander the Great. But it's just kind of... It's just kind of there. Like, it's not a bad track, but it's just, yeah, it's my least favorite on the album, too, probably. Just, it, I don't know. I don't know why. I think it just is. And I'm, I'm not just, like, agreeing with you. Right. I'm, just, I'm with you on that. It's definitely not my favorite track on the album. I don't know why. Now I'm kind of bummed that I'm, like, Ugh. You're shitting on something you love? <laughs> but it's, I'm not even shitting on it, because I'm just, like, it's just not my favorite, you know? Because I love this whole album front to back. Like, this is... To me, this is just a perfect album. I love it. Steve's bass work on this. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, that's man. what I texted you yesterday. I texted Levi, and I'm like, God damn, this fucking dude, Steve Harris's bass work on this album is fucking insane. Like, every, every He's just song, so good. the bass line is like, it, I mean, it jumps out at you. And it's galloping, and like, he's, he's the man, dude. Steve Harris is. Steve Harris is the man, and he and he usually writes most of the music. But this one, so Steve wrote "Caught Somewhere in Time," "Sea of Madness," uh, or no, excuse me, uh, "Somewhere in Time," "Heaven Can't Wait," "Loneliness," "Long Distance Runner," "Long Distance Baseline," and he helped write "Deja Vu," and he wrote "Alexander the Great." And then actually, Adrian Smith wrote "Wasted Years," "Sea of Madness," "Stranger in a Strange Land." And Dave Murray helped write Deja Vu. So Bruce Bruce never really wrote. Well, I, I was always kind of weird about that. Like, I wasn't a big fan that Bruce didn't write a lot of it. Like, he just kind of came in and sung the shit, and that was it. Yeah, I read but I guess that's how vocalists kind of are sometimes. I read on it that, you know, he, I guess, was, he brought songs in, and they rejected all of them. But I guess he, what I read on Wikipedia was that he, his thing was, it was all like acoustic songs. Like he wanted this to be like their Zeppelin, like physical graffiti. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay. A band like this. Well, it's not just this one. Yeah. But a band like this, like for a singer not to write the songs is kind of fucked up, but his voice is so powerful that you can, you can kind of overlook it. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. It's not just this album. It's all of them that I've always been like, why doesn't Bruce write the lyrics at least? Like, but it's 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 basically Steve's band. Like Steve, Steve was the OG member here. Dave Murray was around for a while too, and then and I could be I could be getting that mixed up. But like they they formed in like 1980, and they were or 1970. Excuse me. And throughout that decade, they're like getting the band right, and then they finally got the 80 band and. But yeah, Bruce doesn't really write music a lot until the 2000s. And even then, like, even on um, Book of Souls, like, he only wrote that Empire of the Clouds song, which is like 21 minutes long. <laughs> Fucking Anna got a DeVita. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But yeah, I know. I, I, that's my, been, always been my one thing about Iron Maiden is like, why doesn't this amazing vocalist write these, write the lyrics and stuff to the songs? You know, that's. But he, you know, I guess his solo project, he kind of did that. And his, some of his solo stuff's really good. It just makes you feel like he's not contributing as as much as the rest of the band. Yeah, that, and it's just like he's just a member. Like, he just sings. 
but they, you know, nowadays when they talk about Bruce, they're like, you know, our stage performance is Bruce. Like Bruce is the one that does. I mean, when I, when you see, first of all, when you watch them live, they play flawless. Yeah. Like it's, it's just like they are in the studio finishing recording or, and Bruce, like he's running around, he's wailing on the mic, he's dressing up in all these different outfits. Like their stage show is amazing. And that's and I remember I first got their Rock and Rio from O two, O one or O two, when I was a kid, and I was like, "Damn, this is an awesome show, man!" And just watching Bruce run around, and now like they're in their mid to late fifties, and Bruce still he's out there running around, like the shit that he just he doesn't stop, but like he manages to maintain his keys and his voice and everything, like so you know he's he's a very theatrical part of the band, not only not only a uh, just a vocalist like he's very theatrical so well and he's i i mean and i'm speaking from somebody who i mean i'm i i love iron maiden but i'm not like the biggest maiden fan yeah yeah but from an outsider looking in like he's literally like i would put him in probably top 10 best vocalists as far as a band goes any in any genre yeah, yeah. i mean his power and his voice is fucking like um, i mean it's top notch it's it's different, man. It's out of this world. Like he has a very a very strong voice and presence. And I remember when I went and saw them live, it was like March twenty sixteen. It was the Book Souls tour in Tulsa. And I remember when he first walked out on stage, like they played the little intro to uh If Eternity Should Fail that album. And he like comes out and I hear his voice at first and I just got fucking chills and like I almost teared up and was like, oh, my God, like I his voice is just so powerful. And I finally heard it in person. And I was like, fuck, like, it's just it's just powerful, man. And I was also excited because I was like, I'm finally getting to see fucking Iron Man. Yeah, dude, like it'd been that long. I've been wanting to see it for so long. And, and that's how, that's how you know you're a real fan of a band is when you see them live and you just like almost lose your shit. Like you can't contain yourself. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm not like, ah, Bruce, yeah. but I'm just like, his voice just hits my eardrums, and I'm like, <sighs> like, it just takes over my body, and I'm like, holy shit. So, anyways, yeah, it's, he has, it's, he has a very powerful voice, and I mean, the rest of the band, like, Adrian, Dave Murray, and now, I mean, since the 90s, Yannick Gers, he, uh, they are phenomenal guitarists, and they, and you know, they're just, they don't slip up in those solos and their riffs. And I'm just like, how the fuck do you guys not mis- make mistakes, man? Like, are you cyborgs? <laughs> and Nico, his drumming, you know, like it's pretty technical. It's not very easy sometimes. Like I've, I remember since the dawn of playing music for me, like guitar and now drums and all that, like there, I can only play like Iron Maiden licks. Like I can't play the whole songs because they're solos and shit. I can't really solo that well anyways really at all but um they're just it's it's difficult music like it's and this album kind of gets a little progressive with alexander the great i think yeah and alexander the great like it takes so long for bruce to start singing it's right there with the long distance runner for me it's just like kind of it's just kind of there but I, I see what they were trying to do because at the end of power slave they have the uh the rhyme of the ancient mariner and it's like it's a song like this basically it's a story and it's long you know so i see what they were doing but 
anyways, I'm I'm fanboyed out now. I, I did my I did my part with this album. I, I can keep going for like days on this <laughs> album, but we need we need to move on. I just so. I thought looking into this, like I didn't realize how well it did on the charts either. Oh, it's good. Yeah, yeah it did. U.S. It peaked at eleven on the Billboard two hundred. UK mm-hmm. uh, number three, Switzerland twenty two, Sweden six, Norway eight, New Zealand five, Finland it went to number one, Austria ten. Uh, let's see here. The singles wait, and look, wasted years got to eighteen on the UK single, uh, eleven on mm-hmm. the Irish singles. Which I don't know how many people actually look into the Irish <laughs> music charts, but oh, here, here's what's interesting to me. I'm looking at the same thing you are. So the certifications, the U.S. one million is platinum, but Canada it looks like a hundred thousand is platinum because they went two times platinum with two hundred thousand certified sales in Canada. Yeah, every went, country got, is different. Okay, because gold it was gold everywhere else, but yeah, the they went platinum in the U.S. Isn't that crazy that in the U.S. they go platinum and in the U.K. they only sold a hundred thousand? Right. I don't know if it's just the lack of cds they sell there i mean i don't know but i guess what would it be in 86 it was vinyl wasn't it yeah uh see well cds came out in i think 82 okay if so i'm not mistaken but for a while because i know that the first kiss album that came out on on cd like brand new was creatures which would have been 82 okay yeah and but i mean it was still it was still in its infancy like CDs were super fucking expensive. Like a CD player in like '86 was probably like eight or nine hundred dollars. Seriously? Yeah, dude. For a CD player? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the because the technology. As like now. Yeah, like, but the technology then was so. I mean, I mean, it wasn't where it is now. Like where you could just go to Walmart or Best Buy or something and get a cheap little CD player for like twenty bucks. I was just talking about this the other day, and that's what I, – I got out of context again. That's just like it is now. It, I mean that, like, you can buy a 4K 50-inch TV now for, like, 300 bucks, whereas if you wanted, like, a 720 uh, 40-inch TV in, like, 2007, it would be, like, 1000 bucks. Yeah. Versus, like, 300 for a better TV now, you know? So I guess it's just the – the production of it all gets cheaper when they start banging out more. I don't know, but yeah, yeah and, I didn't know a CD player cost that much back then. And I mean, supply and demand. Like everybody was still on vinyl, and mo- I mean, all yeah. cars had t- you know cassette decks in it. Then, I mean, there were still I mean, people pumping around with eight track players in their cars in '86. Oh yeah, that was a thing. I forgot about that. The eight track players. <laughs> I just. I, I I really enjoyed listening to this in full without like skipping around or anything. I listened to it in order and I was really impressed and I was kind of disappointed. Yeah, you said you were going to buy it. Yeah, I, I want it on vinyl. I want an original pressing of this. That's how good I thought it was. It's it's a fantastic album and you can see why it's my favorite Maiden album now. Well, not only that, but like older bands like this and like classic bands i don't really want the fucking reissues now with on, on the 180 gram vinyl like it just doesn't play the same i want that fucking flimsy ass record i don't want that yeah thick. like if i if i buy the cd i buy the remaster because it sounds well yeah but for that, that's not different yeah to me but yeah Vi- the case v- is just gonna be all beat up if you buy the 1986 one. right but i mean as far as vinyl goes i want the original like i want to hear it how it yeah. when it first came out but like crispy yeah, and crackly. Yeah. If I'm listening to it so- solely for like the best possible sound, 
Like, I, I mean, I still would rather listen to a CD than streaming. Yeah. Yeah. You see that. But unfortunately, I mean, everybody's, like we talked about earlier, got their phones. So it's so much easier and more accessible to just listen to it on your phone. Then, you know, you got to go find the fucking CD. You got to look through all your fucking collection. Because, I mean, I have like. Dude, books, I'm still a CD guy big time. Like those big fucking zipper books of fucking yeah. CDs, man. Like, I'm it's... big time a CD guy, man. I still get on Amazon and look for stuff. I'll be like, you know what? I want that on CD. Well, and now you can get CDs so cheap. Like any like remastered stuff you can find usually for like five bucks. Even at like Walmart, there's a ton of fucking CDs you can get for five bucks. Yeah, there's CDs are nice and cheap now. So, but I remember, but I... you know, when when it was still big in like the the late '90s, even early 2000s, like getting certain albums, it was like fucking twenty five bucks and shit. Or yeah, like you, wild. or you get an import. Like I bought uh, Kiss Killers, which was the German import, and it has like the different logo for Kiss because they have it, the regular SS band in Germany, so they have to have a different logo. Yeah. And it was fucking like thirty eight dollars. And I remember Jeez. like because that's one of those ones. Like I wasn't, I didn't have a job yet, but I was like twelve or thirteen. And I was like, hey, mom, can I get this like you? And she's like, uh, no, you're I'm not spending $40 for an album that you have all these songs already. And I was like, well, there's four new tracks that I, I don't even I don't have. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have this all these tracks in this order. Like, I always have to justify yeah. why I needed certain things. Oh, I know. I feel you. But there, now man. now as there. a dad, like if my kids are like, oh, I want to start buying CDs. I'm like, just listen to it on your phone. Yeah, stop. I'm not buying it. No. You're not allowed. I mean, you know, streaming is streaming is very convenient. Like I get it's it's definitely nice, but like like I said, I still get on Amazon and look up vinyls and CDs and I want to collect more vinyl. I just don't like I need a good set of speakers first before I keep listen to it like i have some speakers but they're all shitty i got them on a punch yeah yeah but uh i have a stack of vinyls but it's once you start it's hard to stop that's the problem it's artwork and you're like well i have this but i need this and then yeah then you start on like a (laughs) one band or one singer and then you're like oh fuck i need this whole catalog before i start anything else yeah exactly that's that's the real exactly. problem. But even with streaming now, honestly, like if if the song has a video, you can go to YouTube and find the video, and then that adds even more to yeah, it's your all imagination. Available. You know, you're like, okay, well, yeah. this is their their version of it, but in my head, I saw something completely different. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China was released theaters July 2nd, 1986. It's 99 minutes long. And yes, the bo- the budget was 19 to 25 million, according to Wikipedia, and the box office only made 11.1 million. So it definitely made, it only made back half of what they spent on the movie. So that making it a flop. But I believe it's a cult classic, right? It's considered a yeah. cult classic. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that that's any movie okay. usually that flops at the box office. Any movie that flops at the box office and finds its relevance in, in rentals and 
now with, you know, every fucking movie channel has a streaming service that they have cold. Yeah. Classics on there. Yeah. Uh, John Car obviously the big, the big part is John Carpenter wrote the, it, it was directed by him and he wrote the score for it, obviously. And dude, the poor Chop express is one of the coolest songs ever. I just want to say that down, 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 the down, fact that his down, down, truck down. is called the Pork Chop Express is oh, fucking I know, awesome. I love it. Like, and then it says hauling ass on top yeah, of it. When we were watch, we watched it last. Uh, when did we watch it? Last Sunday, I think. Because as soon as as soon as we decided we were gonna do this, or no, last Monday, because I I watched it that night after we recorded uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. And Amanda had never seen this movie. There it is. <laughs> she waited. Yep. Uh she's yep. like, Okay, it's it's been an no, hour. She, she doesn't she does it on purpose. I know I know damn well she doesn't. <laughs> she's on like purpose. they went an hour, it's time like, to cause go. it's like 'cause it's yeah, 'cause it's like yeah. hurry up. I'm getting in the shower, so you need to hurry the need... fuck up. Well, I'm going to the gym when I get done here, yeah. so she can shower all she wants. Anyways. So yeah, she, she <laughs> never cut that part out. <laughs> no, no, it's funny. She she had never seen it. So when he says, you know, Jack Burton always says and the pork pork chop express and all that stuff, and she's like, pork chop express, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> it's so fucking you know what old funny. Jack Burton always says, I love I love when he's like, you know, what Jack Burton always says, and he's like, who? And he's like, me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um. I've always wanted to talk about this. Nesbitt was the only one that ever got this because we watched it together before. But uh, fuck, Lopan, dude, the noises he makes, yee, like all his weird <laughs> yeah. eccentric noises. Yeah, it's so weird. Like when he's like, he, he's he goes through all these different voice changes, and he's like, indeed, like, but <laughs> it's funny, man. Yeah, it's James Hong who plays Lopan, and yeah, he, and he's in Blade Runner. He's in Blade Runner. Uh, the first time I remember seeing him as a kid was in Wayne's World 2. He plays uh, Cassandra's dad. Okay. And, and they have a little battle. But in every movie he's in, he's also in uh, Balls of Fury with uh, 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 Dan Fogler, who is a fucking hilarious actor that me and Amanda both love. But he's in that. And every movie he's in, he makes those fucking sounds. Okay, so it's yeah, because he does it in Blade Runner too. I noticed, mm-hmm. and he's always got those whiskers growing. Yeah, like he's always got those small, long. They're like very thin but long ass whiskers for movies. But yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah, and, and character actor. I mean, he's he's literally in a hundred fucking movies at least. I would think. I. Man, Big Trouble in Little China, first of all, is in, like, my top ten. I love this movie so much. I remember when I was a kid and I first saw it, I was like, dude, this is... I don't know what it was, but I was like, this movie is fucking awesome. And just all the effect... Like, it's it's really cheesy, honestly. Like, it's, it's definitely a cross between, like... It, it has a little bit of, like, a kung fu movie mm-hmm. aspect to it. Like, they... They did that, but they also kind of made it serious and funny. Like, it has a bunch of different elements to it, but the kung fu part is, like, how they fly through the air when they fight yeah. and shit. It had and that, like, it's so corny. It had that Mortal Kombat vibe to it. Yes, like, the, the last yes. fight scene. Um, yes. By the way, James Hong is 90, and he's still fucking acting. Yeah, he's he's old. What's up? Oh, I'm, I I, no, I was reading, sorry. 
Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's he's very old and still acting. And then there's who else was it? Is it Dennis Dunn? Is that the? No, never mind. I was trying to find uh, Wang. Yeah, I remember Dennis who? Dunn. I remember who he. That's him. Yeah. Okay. And Kim Cattrall is Gracie. She was most people know her from Sex in the City now, but she was also in like Mannequin and uh, Police Academy and shit. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean she was great in this too. Yeah, she was uh she was really really good in it. I'm I'm trying to think of what to say, but Kurt Russell, man, his character in this, I absolutely love his like just like super into himself and <laughs> he's a narcissist. <laughs> he is, but it's it's just so funny cuz he's like you know old Jack Burton always says and then he's like what's wrong Wang or what's wrong Lopan having a hard time getting the job done like he's always just talking (laughs) shit to people and stuff and then of course like the ending when he shoots the roof and it knocks him out because it falls on his head that part made me laugh so fucking hard yeah i remember the first time i saw that i was i was laughing pretty good about it and he like he's he tries to act like the tough guy in the movie the whole time like he's always like I don't know. He's just always trying to be like the man of the movie, but he, the role, like the role of him is so good. Yeah. He, I don't he's, know. He's I love... to, he acts like he's this badass, but like every time but he's he really not. gets into a situation, it's like, yeah, it, it, it turns into slapstick. That's what that is. I mean, he shoots the fucking yeah. ceiling and the rock comes down and hits him in the head and knocks him down or knocks him out for a minute. And then everybody else is fighting and the heat. Or like when uh, when they're in the fight in the like when they have them, you know, in the cells or whatever the the ladies, and he's like walking yeah. through and he's like going to fight and then they're all you know, uh, who was it Wang that kicks their ass and then he's like oh like the, his facial expressions when he's in those situations is yeah. fucking hilarious. Or like he shoots the dude and that uh, the other guy's like, "What? You never plugged a guy before?" And he's like, "Of course I have." And it's like, "No, you <laughs> haven't." Like he's he's all new to this stuff and yeah. Anyways, the movie though, just the way it goes, like it's it's a really cool it's a really cool story. I did read that Dwayne the Rock Johnson was trying to get a sequel going a couple of years ago to tie in a wrestling reference there. Yeah, yeah. I said that he was he in like 2015 he had started working on it, and then 2018 they I guess they actually started working on it or something. So but... it is coming. I don't know, because that was two years ago. Like, you figured it would have been done by now. So, I, I, don't, really, I don't really know. So, August two, 27th, 2018, Seven Bucks Productions president Hiram Garcia clarified that the film would, will be a sequel and a continuation of the previous film. The creative minds behind the new film acknowledged that they have no intention of replacing Kurt Russell by re- recasting Johnson as Jack Burton, but will make a follow-up movie to the original. So it sounds so like Kurt, Kurt Russell's coming back. Yeah, but he's old now. That's not the second to be the same. Eh. Like I bet. That, what about that monkey? The whatever the hell that thing is, that creature that's on his truck at the ending of the movie. Like does that? That's like he's gonna come back. Yeah. That's it. There's a lot of stuff. It it's just such a. It's a good corny movie, like the superpowers and the weird ape thing, and like that. W- it's it's so eighties. 
It's it is what it it's really so, is. It's eighties cheese, man, but it's so good. And the like, I feel like we're not describing the movie to listeners a whole lot, but it's like just watch it. Yeah, you know? we're just giving opinions. Yeah, but motherfucker, like <laughs> motherfucker, um, <laughs> the creature, like the hairy creature, is like a cross between like Chewbacca and uh, the okay Ninja Turtles two. There's Toka and Razor. And the, I forget which one's the hairy one. Like, there's the hairy wolf, like, dog, and then there's the turtle that's, like, all mutated and shit. But that's what it reminded yeah, me of, yeah. was that hairy guy yep. from uh, Secret of the Ooze. That, yes, I do. So I barely remember which, I barely remember those movies, but I know that, I knew that it reminded me of Ninja Turtles for some yeah. reason. And that's it. And also Street Fighter. He looks like uh, one of the oh, dudes from uh, Street Fighter. Uh, uh, I forgot uh, his name. Blanca, yep. He's he's like Blanca, the Ninja Turtles thing, and yeah. Chewbacca, like mixed together. Maybe that's what John Carpenter was like. All right, we're gonna mix these three things together and make this weird ape thing. Well, Turtles two didn't come out till but, the nineties. Uh, I think they actually stole it from this. Oh, okay. yeah. Never mind. They did. It just reminds me of that. M- made a mistake. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I like the whole like going into the Chinese little Chinatown in San Francisco and. They go underground and they're fighting these guys like the lightning dude, the thunder dude, and uh, what's the other one? One of them's got, well, I don't know. One of them doesn't really have a power. I guess the lightning dude is the only one with the power. They just fly. The disciples of Lopan and uh, he runs them over with his truck and the start and like, I know I'm all over the place. Anybody listening, it's like, what is he fucking talking <laughs> about? But it's just it's just a movie you got to watch. It's really, I mean, it's very straightforward. Like, Jack comes to town to, to uh, I guess he's dropping off a delivery or something. Then he hangs out with Wang, and they gamble, and he he wins some money. And then it's and, double or nothing, and he wins again because he could can't cut he wins the bottle. Again. Yeah. Um, and then they go to the airport to pick up. Uh, Mao Ying, Mao Ying, Mao Ying, and uh, uh, someone else. Oh, that Grace is yeah. there picking up her yeah. friend or whatever, and they both get stolen by the uh, the Lords of Death. Don't mess with the Lords of Death. And so then they have to go on an adventure to find them, and that's when the ship pops off. They go into uh, Lopan's place, like it's a store, but they go underground under the warehouse, and then they. That elevator scene is just, I don't know why, man. It's so legendary to me. When they go down in the elevator, and then it starts flooding, and they got to swim yeah. out. And then they wind up imprisoned. They get out of there. And that one dude, I guess that one dude's power, like thunder or whatever, like his power is like swelling yeah. up. Because <laughs> he does it right. twice. That, yeah, that's, that has to be the power then. They see Lopan, and he's super old. But he's not because he's not human yet. He's trying to get these green eyed girls so he can become human. Okay, there. I finally got to the point of the movie. He wants the green eyed girls so he can become a human. So, and here's a question: Are is it super? Is it really super rare for like Chinese women to have green eyes? That's kind of like that was the biggest takeaway for me because I'm like, there's no. I mean, there's no way it's like that. Like odd. I mean, I, maybe it is, but I don't. I don't know. I. I, I mean, I'm not Chinese, so I don't right. know. And I mean, you don't have any <laughs> Chinese family members to ask that question. So if anybody knows, I'd yeah. like to know. Like, 
yeah is the is the green eye chinese thing like rare i don't know i'd like to i'd like to know as well but i'm assuming i go with what the movie says john carpenter gave us a story and we're gonna live by it but uh yeah so anyways they go into lopan's underworld and it gets weird and egg wang egg egg uh egg chen the dude who's driving the San Francisco tour bus, like he's in on it. And then him and at the end of the movie, like they battle like that's really cheesy when they do the little battle at the end with like the green light versus the purple light. And there's two people, there's two warriors fighting in the light. And then like Lopan is like using his thumbs to control the, <laughs> where, like that's and he's so making noises corny. when he's doing it too. Yeah. He's like, like all those weird See, noises. I like that part because it's so fucking it's like cheesy. A, I don't dislike it. It's just it's cheesy. It's a way to like have them fight, but since they're older gentlemen, obviously, <laughs> they can't they fight with right, their powers. They can't go in there and just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a it's a fun movie to watch though, but you know, there's a, there's there's a happy ending and all that yeah, stuff. It's but... it's mindless. Like you can sit there and just enjoy it. You don't have to think about it. It's not like Blade Runner where you're like, "Fuck, I've watched now, I've, I've probably seen Blade Runner 10 times now at least, and I still don't fucking get everything. We watched it last night, and uh, we watched it again last night because I'm going to watch 2049. One of my coworkers let me borrow 2049. So, But I've read, I read some reviews on Amazon that 2049 was like too long and boring, and I was like, fuck, man, it's like two hours and 40 minutes. I don't want to waste that, but then I'm like, I've watched some pretty shitty wrestling shows before, so I guess I can, <laughs> I guess I can sit through a movie that's. I can kill three hours. Kurt Russell's sixty-eight yeah. now. Well, his first movie was in it. It happened at the World's Fair with Elvis, and that came out in sixty-one, I think. If my Holy Elvis shit. memory, he's. I love Kurt Russell, man. I definitely want to do Escape from New York. I LA I do too. Uh, there because I haven't seen another those in a Kurt Russell time. movie. I wanted to do at some point. I can't remember what it was. Oh, the thing. The yeah. thing. But it's also John Carpenter, oh, okay. so I yeah. didn't want to. I didn't want to double up. So next week, we've decided we're going to do uh, Terminator Two. And use your illusion one or two. We'll just we'll have a combo. I feel, I honestly I feel like it's two, it's one album really. It came out the same day yeah. and everything. Yeah. So I yeah, feel like it's a, I think the second one has more singles on it though, doesn't uh, it? I think so. Like that has knocking on heaven's door and. Um, I just remember that one has knocking on heaven's yeah. door. Like I've never been a big GNR fan, but for some reason, like I'm very fascinated with the Use Your Illusion albums because everybody's like Appetite of Destruction, and it's cool, you know. But like I've heard that fucking album too yeah. much. I, I so I want to listen to Use Your Illusion. My first Guns N' Roses album that I bought was Use Your Illusion One because it was the Spaghetti Incident. <laughs> <laughs> I do own that actually, but no, it wasn't. Yeah, uh, but no, one has uh, Live and Let Die. Don't cry, which usually yeah, is too right. has "Don't cry" also, but with alternate lyrics. Ah, okay. and one also has "November Rain," which is mainly the reason why I bought it because that fucking song is epic. Yeah, two two has "You Could Be Mine," "Knocking on Heaven's Door," "Yesterday's Civil War," and a yeah, strange. So a lot of fucking singles. versus like yeah, yeah. There's a lot more singles than one, but something uh, about it took something about one though. I just always liked. I don't know if it... I like the cover of two better because it's yeah. blue. I think that's what my deal is. But one, to me, I felt like it just flowed. Oh, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. But anyways, go watch Big Trouble in Little China. 
listen to Iron Maiden somewhere in time. This is a it's been a been a fun episode to do because I got to talk about Iron Maiden and like I got to talk about two of my favorite classics today. Thanks so. for listening to the Levi's Little Podcast. <laughs> I did. I, I didn't mean to take. Well, that. I, I didn't mean to take over it like that. Purpose. Honestly, so I could yeah. get all excited because you yeah. sat through two years of shitty wrestling talk. Yeah. Well, hey, next week is kind of like. See, next week is like next T two is both of us love that, but Guns and Roses Use Your Illusion is like that's kind of like your front seat. Yeah, I'm in the passenger seat. But I mean, you'll you'll know so, a lot of it, and you'll be able to talk it. Yeah, and of course, we'll, I'll be listening to it. Yeah, we'll listen to it. Uh, I haven't listened to the, those albums in a in a while, actually, in in full. Like I used to listen to them all the time, but yeah. All right, all right. Well, follow us on uh, Twitter at Quadstar Morning at Quadstar Morning. If you throw an S on, I'm sure we'll still yeah. come up, but it's Quadstar Morning, and then. Quasar Mornings on Instagram. Did you change yeah, that? Yeah, it's changed. I keep forgetting yeah. about that. Uh, you can email us, Quasar Mornings at Gmail. Just look up Quasar Mornings and we're there. And me, of course, at Levi D. Zindel and at Levi Zinfidel on Instagram. And me at Mr. Tommy Walter on Twitter, Tommy Walter Live on Instagram. And uh, don't forget to tell your friends. Tell your enemies. About this show and next week and the coming weeks and all that. And that we're done with wrestling. We'll talk to you guys next week. And we're only going to get better from here. Bye. (laughs) Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.